What is up, everybody? Today we are talking about black man coming for Issa Rae. That's right. All that and more on Black Hollywood Lives this week. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live this week. Distant love. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Black Hollywood Live this week. I'm your host, Dario Kristen. Joining me today is the beautiful Courtney Stewart. What's up, everybody? And equally beautiful and entertainment royalty in yeah. the house today. Victoria Wilde is in here. Thank you. I mean, I, I feel like I should bow. I know, I you know. know, I know. You know one knee. Don't hurt yourself now. I listen, know. listen. For you, I would hurt myself. For sure. You Thank see, you. we came in slow. I know, we came you know, in with a vibe, Victoria y'all. Request. We've been baby-making music yeah. today. I've been yeah. back on live this week. Mom and Gay. <laughs> got some Marvin up in here. Yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Well, we are excited to talk to you today. We're going to go through some hot topics, and we're also going to talk more about your new project you got yes. going on, which everybody's talking about. I love it. We're Emmy excited. nominations and everything. Oh, wow. And rich and scandal and soap opera-ness yes. and all yes. talking about. Oh, Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what you got for us today? All right, we're jumping right on in. We got to give you guys an update because, you know, a few months ago we were talking about Miss Shonda Rhimes and how she had left ABC and had made this big old deal over at Netflix. And we were sitting around wondering, like, what's Shonda going to do, though? Like, we want to know some mm-hmm. topics. Like, what kind of show she's going to make? Well, we got a little bit of information today, or actually it came out yesterday, that she has purchased the rights to a viral story about a woman who conned her way to a life of luxury. The story was written in New York Magazine on May 28th by Jessica Pressler, and basically it follows the rise and fall of Anna Delvey, a.k.a. Anna Sorokin, the Russian-born 27-year-old posed as a German heiress and scammed her way into expensive hotel stays, international trips, and much, much more. She is currently being held without bond on Rikers Island. So Shonda's about to take this story and she's helming the script and this is going to be the first project that she is doing for Netflix. Wow, sounds incredible. I'm excited. I mean, we've been hearing about this for a while so the the reveal has been great. I know. I mean, it's going to change the game for Netflix too. I mean, Netflix has been making a lot of deals. New visas out there now. New projects. Yes. New projects. So we got stuff from Shonda. We got uh, Ryan Murphy did a deal with Netflix and he's got a bunch of stuff that's going to be coming. Stuff so. coming from Victoria Rowell, so we watch out. Yes. 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 What's your favorite show on Netflix? Oh my god. What do you binge watch? What do you watch? Oh my god. I binge watch a few things, but I will say I love The Crown. You haven't I love The Crown. It's the you best. know. Um then I've got some other stuff that I like. I mean, not all Netflix, but I do dig um, Harlots. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I love period oh, yeah. stuff, but I want to see us in the period. So I want to see Madam C.J. Walker. Thank I want to see, um, you know, Marcus Garvey. I want. I, where Can, are we? Where's where? James Baldwin? Where are the black disc jockeys? Yes, here we go. Yes. Where are the black jockeys from Churchill Downs that mm. first won mm. the first Kentucky Derbies? There you so go. So don't get me started. Well, listen, those are projects that you can create for them. We, see, we, we're see, expecting. I'm like, and I'm going to put my gem. I know they were rumoring about Harlem Renaissance right. stuff. I'm, I'm ready for a, a right. nice Harlem Renaissance series, and yeah. I wouldn't be mad. if you It's know, been pitched. We'll see. Okay. Right. We'll right. see. Up we'll to the universe. Things coming. Things yes. coming. All right. Speaking of our stories being told, Miss Jada Pinkett Smith has been telling 
her story over at her show called Radio uh, Red Table Talk. I said radio. Red Table Talk. She's on Facebook Watch with the series. It launched in May, and she has been. She's had a ten episode stint. She's in six episodes at this point, and this week she had a really interesting episode that got everybody chatting about a lot of things. Oh, called sex. <laughs> so, Miss Jada, if, for those of you that don't know, the show is basically a talk show with her mom, Miss Adrian Banfield, and her daughter, Willow, who's 17 years old. And they sit around and they discuss a variety of issues. As I mentioned, this week it was sex. And people kind of got a little uncomfortable because Miss Jada was very, very specific in her conversation this week oh. and quite revealing. Um, she discussed her, her addiction to sex toys yeah. and how her grandmother actually... Um, discussed with her the concept of self-pleasure at the age of nine. Oh, wow. And some of social media went kind of crazy, like, why are you having this conversation with your daughter at the table? Even her mom, and they do a lot of outtakes in terms of the editing with mm-hmm. the show, like, was sort of uncomfortable that Willow was going to be sitting at the table talking so plainly about S-E-X with her mom. So what do you guys think? Is that a little outdated? Why was people so unnerved that she liked sex toys and she said it in front of her daughter? Well... I mean, Victoria, what do you think? (laughs) You're a mom. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about any such um, behavior Um, with my (laughs) daughter. I have no interest in talking about my private sexual matters with my with my adult daughter or my 17-year-old daughter. I mean, I'm sure Willow has some um, knowledge Mm -hmm. about the world of sex and what's available, uh, especially with the media as it is right now. But, I mean, that's Jada's decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, for whatever her reasoning is, she wanted to talk about it, and so she did. Um, I think culturally, uh, black and brown people don't necessarily want to talk or talk about flagrantly openly about their sex proclivities Mm. um i think it can be an issue in our community not Mm -hmm. talking about it at the same time um so i don't know i'm 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 kind i'm just speaking from my personal perspective I, i just wouldn't be talking about sex toys with either of my children yeah um i think it's a private matter if they want to come to me and ask me a question or two if I can answer. I don't know all those fandangled things out there. I like the, I like the real thing myself. But anyway, I, I, I no, I appreciate that honesty. I mean, well, the funny thing is, there was also another article that came out that said Willow Willow had been interviewed and said that she had walked in on her parents having sex. Um, yes. So there's there's been a lot of discussions just even with interviews asking her specific things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. Yeah. Would I want to sit and talk about my mom's sex toys? Absolutely not. And I'm a very much adult man, <laughs> like so I'm, I'm going to go with no, not TMI. No. You know what I mean? Um, so, I, you know, like you said, to each his own. I also feel like just Jada as a whole has been very vocal since she started doing For this sure. show. So, you know, these are also great little nuggets right. to get people to watch. watch. You know? right. so, sure. Because people want to know people are, what, hey, like, what are you and Will doing in your bedroom? Yeah, you know? That is true. Right. That is true. They, they do. So, and, they, and she normally hasn't spoken about it. So, is it intriguing? Sure. Would I want to talk about it with my mom? Hell to the yeah. I think it's interesting, though. She did bring up this idea that she wanted to remove shame from sex for her daughter in a way sure. that had never mm. been done before. And sort of, in thinking about that, like, in listening, because one of the reasons I don't talk to my mom about sex or any of that or want to hear about it, it's there's a level of shame and discomfort about sex yeah. and talking about sex. And it's supposed to be your own thing. But coming up... 
would it have been helpful to have that kind of relationship that was that open? It might have been, especially in the times that we live in now, yeah. because there's so, I mean, I don't I know. I mean, there's so much sex, There's right? so there's, much sex. There's and like so much to, sex you know. in, in our music. Um, there's so much sex on in programming. Yeah. There, the media is sexualized. The editorial is sexualized. And so we shouldn't be shocked, I mean, um, by Jada having the conversation. It's just personal. Like, what do you want to talk about? To what degree will you have these sure. conversations? Yeah. Um, but quite frankly, we live in a very, very sexualized yeah. world very, today. Yeah. It's real. And, and yeah, I, I applaud her for, you know, opening up the, the door for her daughter because I also think there's a lot of misdirected kids or, for or sure. who... who Experiment with things just because their parents don't want to talk about it, and, and you know, also because they have porn at their and hand. And porn, I mean, at, at like media. six years I mean, old. Like, look at your Instagram. There's you know. seven year olds with phones that can get <laughs> right. access to pornographic material at right. this point. So, yeah, I think it's cool that she. It, it's interesting to watch that whole situation. I happen. mean, when you think in terms of porn, you have to look at the top tier newspapers and television for news sure. broadcasts, for sure. their opening story is about Stormy Daniels. For sure. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, porn has been taken to another level in our nation, if not the world, due to this presidency. Um, it, it, you know, it's a, we, we can have the conversation now. It's fascinating. Have conversation. It's fascinating. <laughs> but we have all of that in soap opera. Yeah. That's right. All of that That's right. We're going to get all of those very, very soon. All right, we're going to move on to our ER Web Story Spotlight of the Week. ER Web Story Spotlight of the Week. Well, also making headlines this week is Byron Allen. He has uh, been getting a little criticism because of a recent speech that he gave during a Black Enterprise conference in which he said, basically, that you know, they were asking him why, what's happened since he bought the Weather Channel. He bought the Weather Channel for $300 million yeah. uh, a few months ago, which is, I mean, first black man to own Ooh. something on that level. Yeah. Uh, and it is, it's been, you know, a huge accomplishment. And obviously we know that he is the head of the Entertainment Studios founder, and he came from, obviously, the comedy world mm-hmm. to being a TV personality to being an entrepreneur. Well, during his speech, he made this statement because he said, I don't want to play in the Negro League. I want to play in the Global League. And he said that during the Black Enterprise Entrepreneur Summit in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, people have been tweeting about it because they're like, okay, so you don't want to play in the Negro Leagues no more. You want to, you know, broaden your horizons. That's all good. But Mm -hmm. what about those other Negroes that you're leaving behind? What do you think about his statement that he made during this conference? I see the double entendre. Uh, Some people might say he he could take it as though he's distancing himself from the Negro Leagues. Um, but I think the overall comment is seen as he's growing his business. We mm-hmm. all know he, he won his AT&T lawsuit. Yes, yes he did. He did. Um, and, um, you know, I'd like to think, and this is just me because I'm so pro-black in front and behind the mic and front and behind the camera, is that I, I want to believe that he's growing his company to include us the way that he went after um, Nate Parker's movie yeah. mm-hmm. um, but did not get that contract. Um, I, I want to believe that he's he's about acquisitions, about black content. Um, I've had conversations with Byron. He's, he's all business, mm-hmm. and he wants 100 of everything. So yeah. I'm yeah. not mad at him. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. You have to be careful where, you know, how you, you know, Language is very language very, is very very important. Language yes. is very yeah. powerful, especially in our community. And we have an incredible opportunity right now for growth, for economic inclusion and growth right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. So um, I hope that uh, 
well. What what's your thought about what he said? Cosign on all of that because <laughs> my biggest problem. I was like, okay, I get what you're trying to say, but the way you said it mm, doesn't sound the greatest. Yeah. Like you could just say, I'm ready to graduate and do bigger global things. Like because playing in the Negro leagues is condescension to sure. But who? Because those of us that may be still playing in the Negro Leagues, and there's nothing wrong with that. And some people would argue that the fact that we don't support the Negro Leagues enough is why you have to go after things and like the Weather how, Channel and things like that. And it was how we started exactly. in, in baseball, um, certainly, um, where prolific black baseball players had an opportunity mm-hmm. to play in the Negro League. So, and, and, and there are ad finitum um, other, whether it's, you know, uh, Dance Theater of Harlem, or we could just go sure. on and on yeah. in terms of all of these different types of leagues um, that had to be um, coined, whether it's NAACP or National Urban League, all of this had to be coined. Uh, but again, I think that um, um, had to be coined and founded um, to support us. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how we got to the Soul Train Awards. That's how we got to the Image Awards. Sure. Because we were yeah. excluded. Like, yeah. That's why we exactly. have these things. And so when you say stuff like that, other you people also hear that and take that like, see, well, right. your own people don't even want to support right. the Negro right. and, and especially at a time when things like HBCUs are struggling and need help. Like, we can't forget that they're still important and of value. Exactly. And I think he took the value off of it by yeah. saying that. I mean, I understand what he was saying, obviously. You right. Know, um, but I, like you said, Victoria, there's a time and place for certain things. I don't think Black Enterprise was the place that he needed to make that particular statement. That way. That way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but do I understand about him wanting to grow and not just being set, put in one particular category and segment? And of course, in order to expand and grow, you have to expand and grow. Right. So I get what he's saying, and he's doing that very well. But on the flip side, you cannot forget where you came from. You can't forget those other people. And I think that culturally, unfortunately for us, and I may get criticized for this, I think a lot of times once we get to a certain place, we tend to forget we'll forget those things. Or or in the process of trying to get out of it, we leave behind certain things. Point well taken. I will say, though, that it is about the expansion on the global market. Like, for instance, um, we have our phenomenal programming. African Americans are known tastemakers in all genres mm-hmm. um, and, in biz- obviously, in business. And... It is about expansion on the global market. Like, we do need to be at the Cannes Film Festival. We do need to be at Prince Albert's Television Awards. We do need to be at all of the main stages and at the pantheon of all things. Um, um, The Olympics of all things in this global market. But at the same time, point taken, I believe, is that we also have to most importantly, remember the root of who we are. Absolutely. And the nascence from which we've come. So, again, language. Language. It matters. Well, another person who's been (laughs) criticized this week is our girl Issa Rae. As Uh we know, we're approaching the third season of Insecure. Coming in August. Hit hit Insecure. Well, she made a little preview statement about people were asking her, hey, what's going to be part of season three and the whole makeup of the Uh storyline? And she basically said it will discuss the toxic black masculinity subject. So people were like, whoa, they were going ham on social media. Like, hold up. Like, what do you mean? Are you criticizing black men? And it's always about 
about the black man doing something wrong. Well, her co-star, uh, Jay Ellis, uh, issued a statement in social media saying, as a black man who is a part of Issa Rae's, hashtag Issa Rae, and the very diverse writing staff of Insecure's work, I'd have to say, shut the F up. By the way, pick up your pants. Uh, you're showing your toxic, to- toxicity now. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. <laughs> toxicity. toxicity. Toxicity, yeah. yeah. So he, he came to her defense. Mm-hmm. And what do you guys think about her statement, first of all? I mean, it was just, it was just she was just saying she, she wants to talk about black masculinity. Mm-hmm. We all know that that is something that is a subject that probably should be more in the forefront of just conversation. Mm-hmm. And she just teased it, and people criticized her about it. So what do you think? I think that Hollywood likes to see black men in dresses to emasculate them all too often. Mm. And when you have people like Isaiah Washington and uh, Dave Chappelle saying, you're never going to put me in a dress, it is for that very political reason. Um, White men that can't deal with black male masculinity. Um, And this is not just in a contemporary space, but this is also prior. Um, this is an issue that we really need to look at all the black leading actors that have been made to wear dresses, mm-hmm. um, including Tyler Perry. And um, there is that. Now, that's one, you know, one compartment of, of the discussion. Um, but we have to look at what we're feeding mm-hmm. um, and what we're agreeing to. Um, and I, you know, I come to the defense of the black male um, certainly in Hollywood, whereas, uh, you know, we just saw um, with, with Chadwick, you know, with, with, with the wild success of um, Black Panther, that for every t- 22 opportunities, he might get one, or 11 opportunities, yeah. he might get one, and mm-hmm. one to win or fail. Yeah. You know, so um, just from the entertainment standpoint, I mean, we haven't even gotten into the whole psychological drama of, of the enslavement of black men and all of that sure. that baggage that yeah. comes up. But yeah. I defer to you. I mean, well, specifically with Issa Rae, the, that whole situation on social media was a mess because there's always the assumption that if black women... Okay, there's... We're in a really difficult space because as black women, especially as black women creators, and I think also just in our cultural social interaction with black men... We are, no matter what, put in a position of wanting to and needing to defend black men, even in some situations that maybe we wouldn't want to as Mm -hmm. feminists, so to speak, Mm -hmm. Um, because the layer of blackness trumps our womanness sometimes. Okay. Um, So I think that they are questioning... When she got attacked on Twitter, they were coming for her like, oh, you're going to be talking smack about black men again, about black men again. It's like, I should be able to get to a place creatively, if I'm Issa Rae, that I can have a legit... Because Insecure really addresses millennial, like, generational relationships with black men, black women, and they really are honest about how things and how we interact. And I feel like for them to assume that she's going to be talking shit or trying to tear down black men to have a legit after having shown a very well done show that really does evaluate issues from an honest perspective and a fair I think perspective mm-hmm. because she gives multiple perspectives in those um, in those episodes I think it's just black people jumping on a black woman again for coming for black men when she hasn't even expressed anything yet she said we're discussing to- the toxicity of um, toxic black 
masculinity. So I just, I, it makes me sad because I'm like, when are we going to get to a, I mean, I get it though, because in the other mm-hmm. breath, you're like, as black people though, we still want to protect our black people and, you know, we're on the stage with white folks and white folks are watching this show and we don't want them sure. to think that... Th- right, they're a major part of the yeah. audience. So you're, you're still wanting to protect, but how as a creator... When, when do you ever get to be free of that and really just address the realness that you are living and experiencing and want to sort of dialogue I about? I don't think you're ever free of it, yeah. especially if you're working for an HBO, because then the question becomes, are they dictating the notes? Do they want to see more of this? I mean, who's at the table that's black? Yeah. Right. Um, is it is it, you know, who's 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 on that? I, I mean, I don't know who's overseeing the show. Is it is it Francesca Orsi? Is it whatever? But, you know, is there a black female executive or male who is there at HBO you know, calling the shots on yeah. that. And, 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 and that's important because, you know, just generally speaking, you know, when I hear stories of, you know, what executives want, and I'm like, well, how, how, how can they choose content or how can they make notes on content when culturally they have no idea what that is? Right. And, you know, Issa Rae has a job. I'm not saying that this isn't her original content and idea, but, you know, at some point, God bless him. Um, Anthony Bourdain said, and I'm paraphrasing, but for every win, there's a loss because something gets mm-hmm. taken out. You, you're giving something up to to keep to a contract, keep contract or whatever. Yeah. But who knows what the machinations are around sure. what, how much he has to fight back yeah. on that? We don't know. Yeah. Well, it's it's an interesting subject because when I first read it, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was like, oh, here we go. You know, you hating on the black man? Don't we get enough of this? I mean, we can't. You know, we're we're all, we're already on the most wanted list as it is. So it's like, really, you got. I mean, we we got to support each other. But on the flip side of that, I I agree, especially with artistry. You have you should be able to express yourself and your personal experience in the way you want to. Now, on the flip side of that, we are in a very sensitive time because I feel like we're in a bit of a breakthrough. Just just culturally True. with mm-hmm. entertainment and everything that's going on. So we have to be we're walking walking on eggshells in one regard, but on the other side, we should be able to express ourselves in whatever way we need to express ourselves. But it just it's all about how she does it because I just feel like we already know and we have been criticized as a black man, and I know black women have been criticized probably far more, but as a black man, there is a certain stigma with us that I feel like we just have to be careful how we portray that, especially among our black writers and black producers and black directors mm-hmm. who are putting that content out there. Well, making an educated guess, if you've watched any of Insecure, you see that there are multiple portrayals of what black men are Absolutely. in that age bracket. And for everybody that, you know, said they were, she was kind of coming for Jay Ellis's character, like, because he was the one that didn't have the job and hadn't yeah. really come up, but he was educated and everything. Social media and everybody was on his team. Like, yeah. girl, we support blah blah blah. And then in the end, like, you learn that like they actually had some things that they had to work out. And it was like just real people portrayal of black people getting to be also just people. Yeah, and because not because they didn't take their blackness off in any way, shape, or form. Like the whole show is very black. Very black. But it was a great to be able to see people being people even though they are also black people. Exactly. And it was a beautiful thing to see, and it's. I just wish people would give her a little bit more credit than coming for her so hard, because they came mm. real hard they did come on hard. social media. For but that. we'll all still be watching season three. I mean, I'm going <laughs> to we'll be there. Issa, you got this panel. Yeah, we'll got we're going to be there. We're here for it. We're but, here for it. Uh, that's right. We're we here for you, girl. <laughs> but on the other great black content. Something else we're here for. Something else we're here for is the rich and the ruthless. Miss mm. Victoria Rowe up in the house, lead actress, creator, 
you know, you were doing it. I mean, you yeah. brought it back. I mean, obviously, you know, as I mentioned before, you're royalty in this industry. And, you know, I mean, I, when I told people that you were going to be on the show today, they were like, can you ask her this? My mom was like, <laughs> Right. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how does it feel to even be back in kind of like that that soap opera world? You know, how what what how did this show even come to you? It feels natural, number one. It feels like what should have been always. Yeah. Um, I've put in an aggregate of uh, an aggregate of uh, 22 years mm-hmm. between CBS and uh, Viacom, between two shows. I don't think any actor has done daytime and primetime simultaneously for six yeah. years. Um, I'll get that star in Hollywood eventually. You deserve um, it. That um, I, I was producing. Um, I was pitching at the networks. I was, they were producing my stuff. I was brokering talent and, I mean, a number of things. But like many African Americans and people of color, we don't get the credit for it. And so... Um, when I asked to direct in daytime, um, and I was told no, that I'd have to earn the respect of my cast. Mm. Um, wow. When I fought for the first black hairstylist, um, well, I wouldn't say the first, but a, a, a hairstylist with an oven and iron. Yeah. <laughs> they put us in a separate but equal room at CBS to get our hair done. Um, I had to go to government of, CBS Government Affairs to get the first writer hired and she's the only black writer that's ever been on the soap in 45 years wow. so um the I, only one wow. only one i work with mark moriel president mark moriel at the national urban league um so my work wasn't only in front of the camera but behind and i always knew that soap operas had spin-offs i didn't see that there was going to be a pathway to the winters yeah mm-hmm. um i i saw so many brilliant black actors and actresses when you go all the way back into the history ruby d started in soap yes. opera yeah. ozzy davis so many and uh ellen holly and i thought my god i have an audience um, so I started with the books with Simon and Schuster, um, Secrets of a Soap Opera Diva, and um, another, and um, began developing my fictitious show, The Rich and the Ruthless. And I knew that if I were the executive producer at the wheel, I would be able to control the absence of color behind the camera, yeah. which is mm-hmm. breathtaking. Um, I've done the science. There's over 600 years of on-air radio starting in the 1930s, soap opera. And uh, at the advent of television, over 600 years of U.S. airtime and zero African-American executive producers in all of that time. Um, And and the other, you know, department heads. I mean, you name it. It's just extraordinary. Um, To be proud of having one of anything is abysmal. So um, I got this soap opera. I I, uh, raised funds from private equity and uh, shot it on spec with the wonderful Keith Smith, Black DP, (laughs) and um, I presented it to uh, RLJ Entertainment and UMC TV, and it was a go from Bob Johnson, and nobody knows how to change the paradigm more than Bob Johnson. That's absolutely, he's the king. He gave me a shot, and the rest is history. We um, we dropped our second season today. Yep, today. And we just got picked up for a third season. Congratulations. Right. Yes. <laughs> well, we have a little clip for the, the season two trailer right here. Yay. Congratulations on your Image Awards. 
We're all one big happy family on my soapbox. On behalf of the network, we would like to purchase the Rich and the Ruthless so you and Kitty can retire gracefully. And action. <laughs> I think you kids are going to take the show to new and exciting heights. And you're pathetic. I'm rich. I get what I want. <laughs> We got another shot of prying R and R away from the Behringer. I sell you nothing. Now get the hell off my set. Sounds like a soap opera to me. Cut. <laughs> That's a great all-star cast awesome. too. Richard Brooks, Robert, Robert Richard, Richard, a lot of those people. Been That's right. A lot of these yes. people have been on BHL, Still, so it's good to have. see everybody working. Christelle Wilson. Now you made an interesting point um, about the lack of people of color behind the camera, right? Yes. So do you see right now a, a really big change? I mean, we're seeing obviously a lot more programming and things like Netflix and on television and a lot more people of color directing. Mm -hmm. uh, Ava and, and Oprah's doing so many more projects mm -hmm. and opening opportunities for young mm -hmm. female and male directors and actors. Are you seeing that change as you're working in the industry and, and do you think it's gonna plateau or are we gonna go to the next level? I, I see the change, I see the change. I just don't want the industry to pin the success on the same five people or four people. Mm -hmm. They need to cast the net wider. Um, and as the industry has cast the net wider mm -hmm. out of necessity so that we have all these extraordinary platforms from Netflix to Apple to UMC TV to Amazon. I mean, mm -hmm. we have we have YouTube. I mean, YouTube won an Emmy. I mean, yeah. yes, you know, is. it's it, it really makes a difference that the the cat that the net be cast as wide as possible so that as much content available out there is seen. Um, and so, you know, some of these studios, a lot of these studios have m a mountain of money to spend. Yeah. Yes, they do. And uh, stars. And so we need um, that net. Yeah. I can't underscore that enough. Um, all of the shows, all the beautiful content that is provided by OWN and by Oprah um, is, is good and it... Shonda's content gets sure. us uh, Viola Davis's content. All of this is fantastic. Um, I just hope that the industry continues to give as many opportunities as possible. Let us come in and pitch. Yeah. Yeah. We may not have the Winfrey last name, but we have content that is that is comparable. Yeah. yeah, that's sort of my. I mean, you kind of already answered this a little bit, but. There's been a little bit of conversation about things like BET. Why does black entertainment television still exist? And if we're still putting stuff over there, then like we're not actually breaking through anything. No, we're doing we're what we're already done. No, because BET is owned by Sumner Redstone. Yeah. Um, exactly. Who's a 90 plus year old uh, white Jewish man yeah. in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, that is the black entertainment television. Uh, and that is the truth. Yeah. So. So how do you see in terms of with pitching and things like that, like do you think that we just need to continue to build networks like UMC and yes. like a more and more of those things, like Byron, uh, Byron buying everything and just doing that? Yes, or is it we need to figure out how to really break down the doors in CBS and get in there and that because that's where the sort of right. standard is? Well, look, if the, the networks are the audience is shrinking, right? They're hanging on by their cuticles mm -hmm. to keep the audience. And 
the audience has changed. They don't want to watch something at precisely a particular time. They're watching it on their devices. Millennials Absolutely. are driving the For industry. Sure. Um, and younger, and so they want to watch programming on their devices, um, and that is a fact. Um, also, we have to think beyond the walls of the United States. Um, first of all, we were supposed to drink the Kool-Aid that we were not um, franchisable. We were not. Um, we were not able to be dis- distributed out there in the world. And of course, we know that you know anyone that is distributing such as a company such as Sony, to over 100 countries. And when you know people are rushing you at the Washington, D.C. airport from the Congo, um, from Hungary, from you know that uh, you resonate with all audiences. So that said, as content providers, as producers, we have to think about moving out into those other spaces overseas and pitching. You know, instead of buying the flashy car and the fancy uh, shoes and you got to get this, that, and a third, save your money, buy a ticket, go to um, the um, producers overseas, meet at those television and film festivals, um, go to the the, the book messa in uh, Germany. Uh, you know, you have to think outside the box sure. in terms of not only the content, but also there are investors over there that are interested in our content um, and see it as a viable investment. And not only would you get a foreign distribution deal, but you can also get your foreign distribution deal in reverse, a la Josephine Baker. Mm. You know, knowledge, right? It's like I mean, the producers coming producers up. Producers coming up. What do you? If, if someone's new to the show, obviously it's the second season. What would you want them to take away from the show, and how would you describe it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the takeaway is the struggle. It's it. You know, you you laugh out loud, but you may shed a tear. Okay. Because it's about the struggle of this black couple that has been working their entire lives. It's like a a cross-section of, let's say, a Bob Johnson um, and other pioneers in television and radio, like, you know, Ambassador Andrew Young and Mm -hmm. and all that he has done. And it's this cross-section of this black, educated couple that is determined to break into Hollywood no matter what. And they have competitive content, but they're always getting a boot heel on their neck from the network, not giving them their just due, um, treating them as second class. So I want the audience to look at the the, the words between the lines that aren't, you know, look at the subtext Mm -hmm. of what this show is. Take away that, but also take away the laughter and the intrigue and... You know, what it takes to run a soap opera with 30 characters, because we do 64 pages a day in network television soap opera. Wild. The hardest work. Soap stars. 64 pages a day. So, you know, the wheels come off the the rails. They can't come off the rails. There's lots going on. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of drama. Um... You know, so it's that. It's it's yeah. very entertaining, and at the same time, I want people to see their struggle within the humor. Yeah. Well, we'll be watching. watching. Absolutely. Yeah. Where can fans find out more about the show and your social media handle as well? Absolutely. At Victoria Rowell, and tomorrow we have a live Twitter chat on Daytime Confidential. I want people to check that out. So mm-hmm. tomorrow at noon... Daytime Confidential, check it out. Uh, we'd love to have you. And join me on at Victoria Rowell on Twitter. 
um, obviously UMC TV and also Amazon Prime Video Channel. You okay. can catch us there and binge watch The Rich and the Ruthless. It's only, and it's only six episodes it's this six season, episodes. right? It's six episodes right. now. So you guys, now we are right. 12 if you want to watch the first season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So. Right. You can knock 12 out. Easily. That's exactly. a Saturday. You know what I'm a Saturday afternoon with a mimosa. Right. That's right. And I want to give Jamie Giddens <laughs> a shout out. He's my writing partner for first season in Victoria Christopher Murray for my second season. But his Twitter handle is at DC Confidential, at DC Confidential. All right. Mm-hmm. Courtney, where can fans find you? I'm all over the social medias <laughs> at Stuart Starlet. And you can find me at Dario Christian on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and on the Reels channel doing uh, Broken Famous Broken episodes. Famous. Uh, we can find out which stars are which <laughs> and they win So some of them are broke. Some of them are broke. That's right. But you can also catch us next week. But uh, Victoria, thank you for <laughs> thank coming you so in. Much. I mean, it was a pleasure. You got to come back. Tell for sure. Hi. Every time. Tell Mama I said hi. Mama, Mama's watching yes. right now. Okay. Surprise, she didn't call in. Yes, yes. We'll see y'all. Peace out. <laughs> executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram at King XO Bay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood, Hollywood redefined. redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.